Okay, sisters. Amen. Looks like we lost a few, but no problem. We still go on. To save time, I'm going to start right now uh, on lesson 18. And I hope I can finish, actually, in one hour, leaving another hour for lots of questions from you. Okay? If you don't have any questions, I will come up some questions for myself. Uh, we will see, okay? Now, um, I hope you got something this morning uh, from the fellowship. Um, <clears throat> and in this second uh, meeting, actually, it is almost about the same, same thing. Um, uh, we're going to expand on a couple of items. Um, and the, the first one is this item of Submission. I would actually use the word submissiveness. Submissiveness. Um, and the second thing we're going to expand on a little bit today on the function of the sisters is this matter of prayer. This highest uh, ministry of prayer um, that the sisters should function in. And finally, we will cover just a little bit on caring for the affairs of the church. Actually, we also covered that in the first meeting uh, a little bit, and that is concerning the different needs in the local churches, all right? Now, the first point here is the function of being submissive. Now, I don't think many of you would consider being submissive a function. It's more, to me, a condition. You're in a submissive condition. But no, here the function is to be submissive. It's quite interesting. But it's a very, very important distinction that we function... We serve, we act in the church life in a submissive way, and that submissiveness is in fact your function as sisters. Your function. Um, this shows us that how we are is in a way more important than what we do. You say, well, I'm a sister. I should do this and this and this. Yes. Yes. You know, to preserve life, to maintain life, to give birth, to conceive. So many things. So many things. By the way, I forgot to mention in the morning, uh, in the first session, that the first time I heard about conceiving and giving birth was soon after I came into the church life there in Los Angeles. And, um, and our brother, and that is Brother Witness Lee, um, gave some of what he called in those days um, informal training. That means training, unlike today, you know, seven days or how many days, it's during the week, every week he would give some training. 
And there, um, one of the first times I participated in those trainings, he spoke all from the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew. And he had a line on service, he had a line on life, uh, then he has a line on meetings, always those three lines. And on the line of service, of functioning, he started out with Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, you know, Jesus' parents in the flesh. Joseph and Mary. And he made the strong point that the father, Joseph, represents something of authority. Authority. Whereas Mary, the mother, represents something of life. I never heard anything like that. So again, you have the husband and the wife, father and mother, you see, Joseph and Mary. And so he went through the story mainly of Jesus' birth, mainly of Jesus' birth, to impress us how in this case, the father, that is Joseph, did his part. His part as the head in the marriage was to take some lead uh, and to uh, direct them, you know, they. One time they went to Egypt, right, to, to escape the persecution. And then after a while they came back and went to Galilee and so on and so forth. So Joseph had a role to play in taking the lead in that relationship or in that marriage. But Mary didn't do that. Mary's function was one thing just to conceive Jesus and give birth to Christ. That was her job. And in this case, actually, Joseph did not even seed that conception because it was a divine birth. Mary did not even know Joseph when he was found to be with a child. So it was the Holy Spirit that seeded this conception, and that's why Jesus, when he was born, he was born a God-man, right? A what mingling of God with man, but he was birthed from a human womb, yet he was born as a being with a dual nature, or double nature, divine and human. A very, very special case. But the point is this, that Joseph, in this birth, did not even participate physically. Mary was pregnant from the Holy Spirit with this holy thing, the child, the holy child, and that is Jesus. So Mary actually representing all of us, including the brothers, all of us, we should all be the Marys. That's the fellowship. And Joseph is really the Lord, right? So today, the way we serve the Lord is the way Mary served. And that is to be in the position of a woman, of a wife, in this case of a mother, to receive the Spirit, 
to receive more and more of the Holy Spirit to seed us. Do you follow me? To become the seed. And we would be the ones who would coordinate with the Spirit, receiving the Spirit, uh, and let this Spirit do a work of conception within us. And that conception eventually is to give birth to Christ. You may say, what? We give birth to Christ? Well, spiritually speaking, Mary gave birth to the physical Jesus. Today, according to this picture, we all should give birth to the spiritual Christ. That means to, we use the term, to bring forth Christ. So real New Testament service, dear sisters, is not to do this or do that. We may do many things, but the true New Testament service is to bring forth Christ. To bring forth Christ in new ones, in young believers, even in our own children, in bringing them to the Lord, to bringing them to know the Lord, to help them to be saved and regenerated, to help them to grow in life. All of this is to bring forth Christ once again. And this has become tremendously helpful to me to realize what is to serve the Lord. To serve the Lord, let me say it again, is simply to bring forth Christ in other human beings. And so to bring forth Christ, we have to be those who have a ready womb. You know what I mean? We, have, we cannot be an old lady. An old lady cannot bring forth Christ. We need to be fresh with the Lord. We need to be fresh in his love. We need to be in a living, fresh condition as a young lady, you know, like, like, like Mary. All of this, and we also need to be one who is receiving the Spirit as the Holy Spirit as a seed into us all the time. That's why, dear sisters, we need to be filled in Spirit. Right? The New Testament charges us. We need to be filled in spirit. When we're filled in the spirit, then we have the seed within us. And the seed would become what would cause Christ to be conceived in us. And then we would bring forth this Christ in many ways in the church life. Uh, in caring for people, in preaching the gospel in shepherding others, even in the meetings, to speak something for the Lord, to pray. All this is to bring forth more Christ. Eventually, the church life is just a place where we all bring forth more of Christ. And when this Christ is brought forth into the fullest degree, you have what? Then the Lord can come back. The body will be built So I hope that you would have this kind of a spiritual view. I am a Mary, and you are a Mary. You know, the New Testament has at least six Marys. We have a little bit small book called 
the six Marys. You should get that book. Actually, there may have been more than six. So Mary, you know, is from the Old Testament word Miriam. Miriam. You know Moses' sister? It's called Miriam. And that is not a good name. Miriam actually means something rebellious, something not so good. You know, Miriam, Moses' sister, rebelled. And he spoke against his brother, who is the deputy authority of God among God's people. So he, she was the one eventually he, who got the leprosy under the curse because of her rebellion. So Mary, Miriam is not a good word. But dear sisters, we're all naturally born Miriam. All of us. We're all a rebellious bunch. Everyone here, even the nicest sister here, you are just a rebel. So am I. We're all born in Adam a rebellious person. Am I right? But we are all reborn Marys. So we have a new birth, and a new birth, we are born with a new name. We, are, we have a new life within us, the life of Christ. And so we are all Marys today. We're all small Marys. Brothers, sisters, we're all Marys. And we're all what? We're all betrothed to Christ as our unique husband. Christ is my husband, Christ is your husband, and Christ is our husband, the church is the wife of Christ, the wife of the Lamb. And today, as the wife, we also should be, we should be submissive to our head, that is Christ, and we also should be mothers, right? Not just a wife. Christ married us so that we can have children to beget more Christ on this earth. So today in our church life, that is what, uh, what we are doing here in the church life, to bring forth more Christ in the human race, to bring forth more Jesus to this earth, right? So as the church grows, as the number increase, that is what we're doing. We are not just here saving souls and building up a congregation and, and doing merely some outward works. We're here to beget more Christ. All right, so I, I forgot to mention that. Now, in this, Joseph is a, um, signifies the side of authority, whereas Mary signifies the side of submission. Submissiveness. Joseph has authority, but he has no life. Mary did not have that kind of authority, but Mary had life. So in the church, we have both authority and life to give birth to Christ. We have brothers, we have sisters, in a way of coordination together, all right, we give birth. We bring forth Christ uh, in the church. All right, now for Mary, uh, in order to beget 
Christ. He had, you know, to be the submissive one. So the very first function, sisters, in the church life, in this message, is to be submissive. My, this is not doing anything. This is just to have a submissive position, have a submissive attitude. As a sister, that itself is a function. This is quite interesting. That itself is a function. All right, let me, let's just go on. The first function of sisters, of the sisters, is to be submissive. This does not involve the doing of any kind of work, but it is a real function. Being submissive is much greater than any kind of doing. We can have, I know we do have, many capable sisters. Actually, many sisters are more capable than the brothers. Really, I I really mean that. You're smart, you are energetic, you are capable. But here, that is not required of a sister. You're able to do this work, you're able to accomplish that, you're just very able. But that is not the first function. Being submissive is greater than anything that you can do. Now, to be submissive doesn't mean you don't do anything. You just stand there and submit. No, no, no. It is something of an inward condition. Something of an inward attitude. The day should come, my dear sisters, that you would touch this matter in a serious way. I will tell you, the day that you enter into this reality, this experience of being genuinely submissive, I would say that is the day, maybe that is the day when your function begins, when your service truly begins. It's that great of a matter. I contacted some sisters here and there a lot. They're very much doing this and doing that. And in a sense, I appreciate it. But when I contact them, you know, when I contact them, I do not have the sense that they are submissive. Rather, in numerous cases, they are non-submissive. In, in terms of an internal situation. They have never known authority. They have never known what is to submit. They never know why they have to submit. They do not carry themselves or live or behave in the church life in submissiveness. They, they don't. They never know what this really means. They can do a lot of things, but this matter, they missed it. So in this sense, they are good, but they can also cause a lot of trouble. And I said already in, I mean, the first meeting that today the whole world is absolutely against this, what we're teaching. 
The whole world is against this, especially by the feministic teaching of the day. All right? <clears throat> they don't not only say women should be equal. You know, equal rights is an old thing from the 1960s and 70s. Today is the feministic teaching that the woman should be over the man. The man should not, the woman has been undermanned too long. And now the woman should be above the man. <clears throat> Altogether something from Satan. I'm cons concerned that even young sisters among us who were taught, you know, you got your university education, and in the universities today, at least in the U.S., that is the main philosophy that is taught, all right? That is the main thing that is taught. It drives all the things in society today, including politics. Not just politics, but culture in every way. So for us to speak these things, it may be hard for some younger sisters to even accept, to receive. Not because they don't want it, but because they are so filled and saturated with another kind of philosophy. And I have a lot to say about this, if you give me the time, but I don't have the time. All I can say, sisters, is I'm not here espousing my brand of philosophy. I'm not here to be anti-feminism. I'm not doing this. This little servant of the Lord here has only the burden to do one thing. I have only the burden to speak the word of God. And if you do not agree with the word of God, there's nothing I can do. I subscribe wholly, completely to the very word of God. I acknowledge God as God, and I acknowledge his ordination, God's ordination in this whole universe. That is the right place to be, and that is the safe place to be. Let me continue. If the sisters are submissive, they are doing the greatest thing in the world. This is the greatest function on the side of the sisters. Now, I do not agree with men or brothers reading this and say, aha, this is my license to make the sisters obey me or to oppress the female or to turn them into my slaves. This is terrible. This is absolutely not what we're talking about here. This, that, was, that is not God's ordination for men to behave in that kind of a way, especially in a natural, fleshly way, like in the world, but even among Christians. Even Christian men would get this wrong. No, we're not talking about this. We're strictly talking about what the word says, and just leave it at that. Okay, sisters, your function, you know, the brother's function is also to be submissive. Don't think the brother's function is not. 
the brother's function is submissive. The word says we should submit one to another in the church. And for sure, we brothers need to take the lead to submit to Christ, who is our head. Am I right? But sisters, for you, you need to submit yourself to Christ, your head as well. But this submissiveness here even is a submission to the brothers, to the male. That's the tough part for you to take, to swallow. Because all too often, they are just not worthy of submission. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? If they are better, but the way they are, they are not even worthy of my submission. You know, some sisters who are married say, I'll submit to that, but not to my husband, because he's terrible. That brother I'll submit to. Unfortunately, that brother is not your husband. This poor guy is your husband. And you have to submit to this poor guy. That is hard. That is hard. That is very, very difficult. But my dear sisters, that's why I say, this is not something that we can teach. Okay, you go to submit, you go to submit, then you go try to submit. It doesn't work. Am I right? In fact, the more you try to submit this way, you become a volcano. It's a matter of time when this thing will blow off. So it does not work to teach you to submit. It does not work. Yes, the Bible say, husband, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Well, we can say this all day long, but it doesn't work so well. Just like it's hard for me to tell husbands to love their wives. You know? You can't teach that. Well... This is then you say, then, then, then what is the way? Well, all I can say is one day the Lord have mercy on all of us and to come to us with a light, with a particular light based on his word and touch us, indeed confront us with this most central issue or problem in this universe. And that is a problem of authority. Everything comes out of that. All problems comes from what? Comes from insubordination to authority. And all blessings from God comes from obedience and submission. Do you remember uh, Samuel? What Samuel told Saul, the king, you know Saul? He defeated the Amalekites and he was told to slaughter men and women and all the livestock, you know, the goats, the, the sheep, all that. But he didn't. He slaughtered the people, but he left 
the livestock for himself. And Samuel came and found out. He said, I hear the sheep. I hear, you know, the animals. You did not follow or submit or obey God's command. And then he said, he said the famous word, obedience, right, is greater or better than sacrifice. You think you can sacrifice, offer something to God, and that would be your worship to God. Actually, God does not care so much what you can do for him or offer to him. What God wants from all of us is obedience and submission. Dear sisters, the day will come when we see this vision. And when you see this vision, I use, I quote, Watchman's word. That day is the day that your natural man will wither. You know the word wither? W-I-T-H-E-R. Will fall, you will fall flat. You will have nothing to say. You will lose all your reasoning. Like, my husband is no good, he's bad. These are all your reasoning. The day will come. It's not that your husband has changed. But you met the Lord, or God met you on this very matter. And from that day on, you changed. You changed. Nobody changed. The environment didn't change. But you changed. Something inward took place. From then on, you are not a rebellious person. Or not so rebellious a person. From that day, you touch something of the throne, something of authority, something of headship. From that day, you learn subjectively, personally, what is submissiveness. Really, sisters, the real submissive one is Christ. And he's within us. Am I right? But from that day, you realize the moment you live by your natural life, you won't submit. Nobody will submit to nobody. But when you have this light, you will live by the Lord. You will take Christ as your submission, even to someone that you cannot submit naturally. And I have seen that also. I have seen that also. What a glory. What a sight to see a sister being submissive. You cannot act, perform. You know what I mean? You cannot, you cannot make it up. If you have touch authority, you have. If you have not, you have not. And dear sister, you know, the woman, you know, it says the woman has long hair. You, you know, this is in Corinthians. Uh, as a sign of their submission, 
as a sign even before the angels. Why the angels? Because the angels are the rebellious angels. And they need to see that in the universe, there's a group of human beings who would not follow them to rebel, but they would take the position of submission and obedience. And that would be a glorious testimony of God. That would be a victory to God. And that should take place in the church life today. So do not take what I'm speaking legally. You know, okay, I'm going to do it. Because that doesn't work. That doesn't work. We are rebellious by nature. We need another nature. A new nature. A divine nature of God. We need Christ to be our real submissiveness. So sisters, take Christ. I need to take Christ. In the entire world today, in every country, in all the schools, and in all the homes, what we see is not order and submission, but rebellion upon rebellion. You agree with me. You, you open the newspaper, you turn on the TV, or whatever. All you see is just, every corner is just rebellion. Lawlessness. Is filling our society. And that is predicted already in the word. That in the last days, the end of this age, lawlessness and violence will prevail. And the source of all that is rebellion. The entire world is rebellious toward God. The world is like a stormy ocean full of winds of rebellion in schools, in families, in cities, in, in, in all kind of places, is just rebellion upon rebellion. But in the church, it says, the situation should not be like this. The church is God's chosen vessel to bear a testimony to the universe that is absolutely different from the world. We should be totally different from the world and the course of this age. In the local churches, as the local expressions, as the body of Christ, there should be genuine expression, a submission. While every place reeks of rebelliousness and rebellion, every place. But when you come to the church, the genuine church, you should touch submission here. My, what, what a glory to the Lord. What a testimony of the Lord this is. It is not a small thing. Not a small thing. The enemy is not afraid of what you do. But when you submit, he is shaking. Our submissiveness heaps shame on the rebel. We're calling the whole universe and all the angels to witness. We are here a people 
fully under God's throne. We are a people fully under the divine authority. We live in submission. In Christ, the brothers and sisters are the same. In Christ, there's no difference between males and females. You go read Galatians 3. However, in the church life, there is a difference between the brothers and the sisters because the church life is a spectacle to be seen by men. You know, the church should be a demonstration. It should be an exhibition, a spectacle, a sight for the world to see. We're just different. You know, today, no one wants to be different. They just want to kind of fit in, you know. They just want to fit in, just like to become everybody. I'll tell you, the church is different. The real church is simply different. Everything is going this way. The the church is going that way. That's how it is. We we make, I make no apology to be different. Not trying to be different, like to be weird, to be strange. But we're different because we have the life of God within us. God makes us different. And if we truly are participating in God's nature, we'll be different. Not trying to be, but we are different. We are, according to God, a peculiar treasure. We are strange to this world. We are strangers and foreigners and sojourners on this earth. We are God's people, dear sisters. In the eyes of God, the universe today is like a theater... And the church is a spectacle, the show in the universal theater to exhibit something, to show something to the whole creation. In this spectacle, the sisters sisters, have been put in the position of being submissive and the brothers have been put in the position of being the head. That's how we are all placed. The function of the church is to exhibit, to display the matter of submission to the universe. And sisters, you are blessed. I really mean that. You are blessed. In that, you are given a specific function to display to show forth this matter. You tell the devil, you can even tell the devil, devil, I am a sister and I have been given the function to submit. I take this position happily according to your ordination. Satan, I call on all of you, the evil spirits, the fallen angels, to come and take a look and witness this. I tell you, that is a glory. That is a glory. 
Now I say always, brothers, if, I, if the brothers are sitting here, I will tell the brothers, brothers, don't you go and tell the sisters to submit to you. That's not for you to do. It's God who ordained. You just be a brother in Christ and function accordingly. Don't go and beat up the sisters. Don't go to oppress the sisters. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. In fact, the teaching is husband love your wives. Wives submit. But it doesn't say husband rule. No, 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 that's wrong. Husband love. Wives, submit. So, no, men should not rule over women. Men should not run over the females. No. So I hope you're all clear about this. To be submissive requires the supply of... Now, this is a very important statement that you need to digest. To be submissive requires... Four things. Number one, the supply of life. Without life, without Christ to be our life, no one can submit. The enjoyment of grace. If you don't enjoy Christ as your grace, you cannot submit. You can grit your teeth. You can grit your teeth and say, okay, okay, I'm going to submit. But that's not submission. The working of the cross, the third thing. The cross works in you. And lastly, the denial of the self. All these four things, two on the positive side and two on the negative side, We need to experience every day. I must tell you, every day I am still learning these things. Even today. Even right now. If I am out of these things, forget it. Even I cannot submit to anybody. This submission should be in a marriage, in a family, in the church life, right? Trust me, if I speak to the brothers, I will speak them to them in a particular kind of a way. They need the same thing. The brothers need the same thing. Very much. We should consecrate ourselves to the Lord, not to do a work for the Lord, but simply to be submissive. If the sisters in a local church are submissive, the church will be strong, living, rich, and prevailing. It is much more prevailing for the sisters to be submissive than for them, than for them to do any kind of work. This is the first lesson the sisters need to learn. 
You know, when it comes to submission, it's not just outwardly you kind of look submissive. Actually, the real submission is something in the spirit, a submissive spirit. You can tell. You can touch it. When I speak this to you, dear ones, I speak to myself. I totally speak this to myself. All right. I hope this is clear. Number two, the function of prayer. We talked a little bit about prayer already, but I think it's good to uh, underscore this great, great need in the church by the sisters. Um, The local church very much needs the functioning of the sisters in prayer. History and our experience tells us clearly that the praying function is not mainly on the brother's side, but on the sister's side. Well, the brothers need to pray. Even fast and pray. Am I right? It doesn't mean the brothers don't need to pray. But dear sisters, your prayer, your personal prayer and collective prayer should weigh more than the brother's prayer. It's your function. It's a particular function. Let me give you an example. You know, brothers pray. I'm I'm a brother. I pray. But you know, my prayer usually is not as detailed as the sisters. You know, when I, my wife and I pray, I pray, you know, more generally. But when she prays, she prays specifically, more finely. You know what I mean? More thoroughly, more detailed. It just... The female is made that way, made that way. And so this, this is just an, just an example. I would even say, sisters, you are built to pray. You're made to pray. Of course, you need to cultivate that gift. You need to build up. what has been installed and built into you. Then you say, how do I build it up? I would say, use your praying spirit more. It's one of those things, uh, sisters, you don't go to school. There's not a school of prayer. Although Andrew Murray wrote a book called With Christ in the School of Prayer. But there's no school of prayer you go to. You learn to pray by praying. The more you pray, the more you learn how to pray. Another way to learn how to pray is to listen to the experienced praying ones. You know, I learned a lot by listening to certain brothers pray. And you know, in a lot of our books in the beginning, they kept the prayer of the speaking brothers. I tell you, don't just gloss over that. 
learn to pray. I learned to pray a lot from listening to how Brother Lee would pray. So you, you should learn also how to pray. Prayer, I tell you, is a very delicate ministry, very delicate ministry, requiring your whole person, your spirit, your mind. You need to pray with your mind. And even, I would say, with the strength of your body, just like loving the Lord. Love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Even you need to use your bodily strength to love the Lord. Praying is the same thing. You need to eventually learn how to pray with your entire being. And the more you exercise, the more you know how to pray. The less you know you pray, the less you know how to pray. So when a sister or a brother or a saint opened their mouth to pray, right away I can tell this person doesn't pray that much. I can, I can hear it. They, they don't pray that much. Then this person would pray, my goodness, this sister knows how to pray. Because he exercise, she exercises frequently in the Lord's presence to pray in that way. So dear sisters, you should pray daily, not just for yourself. So many things to pray for your family, your husband, your children, the saints, the leading brothers, the other sisters. So many needs in the church that if you would pray, my, we will pluck up so many holes. We will mend so many breaches in the wall. We will keep out, keep out the enemy so much. You just don't know. You know, I, because I travel, I minister and, you know, carry on the work of the Lord, this and that. You know, this morning, Brother Abraham Ho, he's not here. He's up there watching. So Abraham Ho said that, mm, Brother Minoru, I just admire your energy. You, you have so much energy to run here, run there, and you're nonstop. I said, well, anyway, um, I do that. But I'd like to tell you this, this morning, sisters. <clears throat> there are times, specific times, moments, that I can sense certain ones are praying for me. I cannot tell you who, because I'm not God. But I surely can tell you in my spirit, some saints are praying. And there will be moments, actually, I was in a little bit of a weakened condition, maybe physically, maybe psychologically, or I'm in a situation of need, for certain wisdom, for certain, you know what I mean, in doing the carrying out the work of the Lord. I can sense sometimes those prayers come in a very timely way. Someone somewhere, or some sister somewhere, is moved by the Spirit to pray for me. I absolutely believe this. It's not, this is not some mind trick, you know, kind of thing. No. It is something inside that I sense. And so that prayer bore me, you know, carried me through certain crisis or situation. I mentioned Sister Ruth Lee. 
It's that kind of a thing, that kind of a thing. Sisters, today, if there is the greatest need in the church, is the need for prayer. You say your church life is not so good. You say this is not that well. Yes, yes, and yes. But why don't you start to pray first? Why don't you pray? If you pray, you will lay the tracks for the Lord to move. If you pray, you will touch the highest authority to counter any kind of attack from Satan. Dear sisters, we would try your best to talk less and pray more. Our mouth is not made to gossip. Our mouth is made to supplicate, to petition, to pray. You will see your church situation will change, really. But we all like this. The last thing we do is pray. We'll try everything before we would pray. Actually, the first thing we should do is to pray. When you hear something bad, pray. If you hear something that is not good, you pray. Don't talk. Pray. And I say again, it will be good in every church in the South Bay, you will build up a sister's prayer time. At least one for all the sisters in the church on a certain day, certain morning. Just come together. You don't need to spend a lot of time. Just one hour of full throttle prayer. Strong prayer. You will see the difference even in the church life. Or twos and threes gather together on the phone rather than, you know, gossiping, you use the phone to pray. Prayer honors God more than anything else. The brothers should be on the front lines battling the enemy and the sisters need to be behind the scenes. Sisters, you're not on the front line. You're behind the scenes, but you Behind the scenes, you control the situation by praying, by calling on the Lord as the highest authority to come into the situation. Whoever prays, control the situation. Some of the members of the church need to constantly bear the responsibility of praying for the church, which includes praying for the elders and the responsible brothers. I like to tell you the brothers need your prayer. They are frail men. They are not perfect. They have their own needs even. Have mercy on them. Yet they are in a position to take the lead, to serve in that capacity, bear responsibility. They very, very much need your prayer. The Lord may touch you to have a list of names to pray. Not general, Lord, the church you know, in torrents. That's too general. The Lord may move you and touch you.
to pray for this list of names. They may be young people. They may be college age. They may be dormant saints. They may be just brothers and sisters you just have a particular burden for. And the Lord laid it in your heart. That means you have to pray. He didn't lay it on another person's heart, but in your heart. If you don't pray, no one will pray. Listen, let me ask you. Let me say this. Everyone who is in this room sitting here, you will not be here if someone did not pray for you. You don't know who. You say, no, 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 I I just got saved. I, I just want the Lord. I tell you, if no one prays for you, you won't even want the Lord. Someone prayed. Probably someone prayed a lot. And so you're sitting here. We need to light that candle of prayer from generation to generation. My goodness, if we see this, we, we, we almost will be praying full time. You know, Watchman, he said what? Why do we work so much and pray so little when prayer can accomplish much more than our work? He wondered. But that's just our natural inclination to not pray. So this is a fight, dear sisters. This is a battle. You need to exercise your spirit to pray. We have actually another lesson. Uh, Two weeks from now, I'll be up in Berkeley, you know Berkeley, and I'll be giving lessons 19 and 20. And one of those lessons, the whole lesson is on prayer. On the matter of prayer. To the sisters. Okay. B, when the sisters learn the lesson of being submissive, it will be easy for them to take care of their second function, the function of prayer. I remember now in Paul's word, he talked about the head covering, right, in, in Corinthians. And it says the sisters, when they pray, they should cover their head, something like this. And that ties, that ties the matter of submission and prayer together. When you pray, you must acquire a position of obedience. Otherwise, your prayer will not be heard. If you are positioned in a wrong way, you can pray, but those prayers will not be acceptable. Only when you and I are in a position of submission, because when we pray, we are praying before the throne. You know the incense altar in the, uh, in the tabernacle? That golden incense altar is a type of the praying Christ. And we join with this praying Christ every time we pray. And that 
incense altar is in front of what? Of the ark. And that's where God speaks, and that's actually God's throne. So prayer, the, the incense altar and the ark are the two closest pieces of furniture in the uh, tabernacle. And prayer, our prayer, and our what? Submission before the throne. And that means submission to God's authority are the closest conjoined thing. If in a local church, the prayer is prevailing, automatically that means that church is a submissive church. Back in the day, you know, uh, we have Sister Lily here. Her husband is Brother Howard. Came into the church in 1968. Back then, it was around that time I came in, about the same time. Our brother, Brother Lee, who was there, of course, he said one thing, maybe the top thing, that he uh, remembered the most of the church life in Los Angeles in those early days is that the church in L.A. was a praying church. Now, let me tell you one one fact. You know, today, Lord's Day, we have this number of saints. Prayer meeting, this number. You know, the Lord's Day, let's say you have 100 people. Prayer meeting, 20 people. It's, it's quite common. You know, in Eldon, uh, in the L.A. days, 100 people, let's say, on Lord's Day. I would not say we have 100 on the prayer meeting. But I will tell you, at least 80, if not 90. Almost the same number that comes to the Lord's Day general meetings of the church come to pray on Tuesday night. It was a powerful, powerful church life in L.A. because of that. Because of that. At that time, we were new. We weren't even, we didn't know so much truth. We, weren't, we were young. We were, uh, we were very, very short in many ways. But we were trained to pray from, from, from that age. I was a college kid. When I came in, uh, moved into L.A., I was a sophomore in college. But when it comes to prayer, I'm on the front row with the old brothers, you know. I'm right there in the front row to pray. And for these 50 years, I learned to pray. I learned to pray. Dear friends, sisters, I, I mean sisters, I am so burdened that in Southern California, let's say the South Bay, the Lord would have a renewal. A revival in the churches here. Now there are many aspects to the revival, but I can tell you for sure one thing. Revival begins by prayer. So you don't need to go and plan this and plan that. 
Start to pray. Bring the church into prayer. And sisters, you can take the lead. Not only on Tuesday night, but during the day, mothers, older sisters, come together just to pray. You say you don't know what to pray. Well, the brothers can give you some direction. And you can also have burden amongst yourselves. Over the years, I will tell you, many of the sisters who are really the praying ones have passed away. One such person is our dear sister Lee, you know, Brother Witness Lee's wife, Sister Lee, who passed away a few years ago. She was one of those sisters. If you touch this sister, you will know this sister function in submission. You know, I have a lot of stories to tell. You know, sister, this sister Lee, she's like this small, you know, maybe this small. Very frail, very thin, but has a very strong spirit. And um, in the early days, uh, when I first come out to serve, you know, to minister and so on, that is, uh, at that time, we were just starting the so-called Chinese-speaking work. There was not such a thing. So I was drafted, if you will, to help Brother Lee in this work. And overnight, I have to speak in Chinese. Now, I'm Chinese, but I have forgotten Chinese, having come to this country for many years, a couple of decades by then. I forgot my Chinese. And I also, I grew up speaking a particular dialect of the Chinese called Cantonese. That means I don't speak what the typical official Mandarin Chinese. Some of the Chinese sisters know what I'm talking about. But I have to speak. And so my pronunciation, my speaking was absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. So Sister Lee, on occasions, I have to go and visit Brother Lee and she would open the door and she said she would do this to me. I said, oh, oh, okay. So I would go to Sister Lee. She would say, Minoru Chen, he say, don't make jokes anymore in your message. You know, make jokes, you know. Make people laugh. He said, don't make jokes like that. This is Sister Lee. Another time, he was, she would say, your pronunciation of this word is wrong. It should be pronounced this way. So, you can see Sister Lee is quite capable, capable. She even trained me how to give messages or how to not give messages. But let me tell you, 
There's not a bone of rebellion in this sister. It's just submissiveness. And my point is this. For years and years in Anaheim, probably dating back to L.A., who knows? I didn't know, but for sure in Anaheim, through thick and thin, she and some group of sisters would just not stop praying at least once a week, if not twice, downstairs on the ball road in those days. I tell you, I fully believe, I know, that she prayed for me, in those days at least. It was a big burden that, you know, Brother Lee has put on me. And I was just a youngster, and I don't have the experience and all this to, to serve in an adequate way. But she knows, and she prays. Dear sister, I tell you, if you all would pick this up and learn this, how much the church life will be prevailing. Amen? Amen. How about a revival in South Bay? How about a new beginning in South Bay? Church by church. Don't just look at the problems. Don't look at the difficulty. Don't look at persons. Go before the throne of grace and pray. Okay. If the sisters, uh, uh, the praying function of the sisters is based on and comes out of the real submission, The praying life comes from the submissive life. I'd like you to highlight that word. Praying life comes from the submissive life. If the sisters are submissive, the Holy Spirit will burden them to pray for everything related to the church. Whatever they realize, know, and understand related to the brothers and sisters, to the families, and to the spiritual situation of the church, they will turn into prayer. Anything that comes into their ears will turn into prayer, not gossip. Everything they hear, oh, that family, they're going through this. You just pray. You just pray. Right away, you pray. My, this will really be something. If the sisters criticize only a little, this criticizing spirit will kill the prayer life. I can tell you what kills, sister. You know, she asked, how do you spread death? I tell you, the way to kill is just to open your mouth and just talk. Criticize. You know, another kind of deadly talk is critical speech. Judgmental, critical. And I'll tell you, the more you talk that way, the more your prayer life will be killed. Your praying spirit will be killed. You couldn't even pray after you talk like or gossip like that. Try. It doesn't work. Sometimes even a thought, a critical thought of a brother, I cannot pray. Just a thought. I have to repent. I have to confess before my praying spirit is restored. If the 
the sisters must realize that the position the Lord has given to them is to be submissive. If the sisters will fulfill this responsibility, they will have the life to continually pray for the church. The spiritual eyes in their spirit will be very keen to enter into the hearts of the saints and know their situation. You know, a sign of a sister who pray much is their spirit is very, very keen, very, very sensitive. You may not sense anything, but that sister sends something. And she will pray. She will pray accordingly. The less you pray and the more you talk, the duller your spirit becomes. The less sensitive your spirit will become. I look to the Lord that many, many sisters in the churches become this kind of sisters. Although the sisters will know the situation of the saints, including the elders, they would never say a word. Rather, they would bring all the matters to the Lord and call on the head as the highest authority. Don't tell others what you know. Tell the Lord what you know. Okay, finally, quickly, the function of caring for the affairs of the church. This is the third function. If the sisters are submissive and carry out their function of prayer, it will be easy for them to realize what affairs of the church they need to take care of. You know, the more you pray, let's say I pray for Joe. The Lord laid a burden in me for Joe, okay? And I start to pray for him, pray for him. You know, the more I pray this way for him, the Lord would what? Would probably touch me or send me to go to take care of him. Because I pray for him. He won't just go to you. He will come to me. The Lord will come to me. Because I pray for this person. I pray for this person. In 1 John, it says, we should pray and give life. If you are the one praying for these ones, you are in a position to give life to these ones. That's just a principle. So the same things with all the needs of the church. If you pray for the young people, the Lord burdens you. You will have the life to give to the young people because you pray for them. If the sisters are submissive and carry out their function of prayer, it will be easy for them to realize what affairs of the church they need to take care of. Nearly everything related to the church needs to be taken care of by the sisters. Everything in the church needs the sisters. Sisters, we need you. You know, in this summer training, I say, you are beautiful. That's not just to the sisters, it's to all the saints, including brothers. But this morning, I would say, sisters, we need you. The church, the churches, your local church needs you.
One, in a family, the wife and mother takes care of nearly everything. It is the same with the church. All the affairs of the church need to be taken care of by the sisters. The brothers only the, are only the head, whereas the sisters can be likened to the body, which has many members and many functions. The sisters need to take care of the brothers, the sisters, the children, the elderly saints, and the young people. Sisters, you need to take care of everybody. I don't mean you take care of everybody, but together you need to take care of the church, your family. The elders can't do it. There's just too few of them. They don't have the time. It takes all of you. If the elders are inadequate in fulfilling their function, the reason is not that something is wrong with them. Rather, something is wrong with the sisters because they did not take care of the elders well. Yes, take care of the elders. They need care. If the sisters care for the elders properly, the elders will fulfill their function. For the sisters' care will issue in the genuine building up of the church. I think this is good enough. It's very clear. Amen? Amen. My question is, will you go and practice these things? But I would say the good place to start is for you in these coming weeks to come together and digest this again. Fellowship with one another and strengthen one another in these things. Two or three, four or five, five or six, do this. And like I say, if you want to get some of the previous uh, um, recordings from the previous lessons, uh, you can surely work with the leading brothers for them to get it for you. Um, Okay. All right, I'm over by 20 minutes already.